Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Today actually wraps up the series that we've been doing on seven unshakable life declarations. The unshakable life, one who builds on the unshakable word of God. That's where we've been for the last number of weeks. One that is anchored, immovable, and indestructible. Everyone say, that's my life. All right, a faith declaration is one who unites the heart and mouth to declare by faith the word of God, the unshakable life declaration. So we're trying to fill your heart with the word so that your mouth might speak the word that you might declare by faith how you should be living and have something to rototill in your devotions and your prayer time. Now, here are the seven unshakable life declarations. We'll put them all up so we can read them together. These are the seven we've been working through. I want everyone to read out loud with me. Here we go. I will live life strong. I will love God's house passionately. I will hold my head high. I will have an overflowing heart. I will turn to God at all times. I will walk on a level path. And I will not lose heart. I will not lose heart. Say it again. I will not lose heart. One more time. There are probably a number of people listening to me, either live or by tape, CD, however they find the messages, that are probably in a time of trial testing or wilderness, a term we use to speak about spiritual dryness, or a time of surprises, or a time when maybe they've lost a little bit of heart. They haven't lost their whole heart, but they've lost a little bit of heart about their marriage, about their friends, about life, about God. They don't have the same passionate, whole-hearted, Love and extension toward God that they used to have. Could be a hundred reasons. King David writes about his losing of heart. Actually, he writes about it in several places. And you could actually, if you had time, go to the psalm and the historical setting where he lost his heart. Where there was a situation, circumstance that actually took from him the strength of heart that he should have had. Sometimes he threw himself on the ground. Sometimes he went into the temple. Sometimes he asked for the ephod and the priest to help. Sometimes he wept. Sometimes he worried. Sometimes he talked to one of his friends. There were times when he took long walks. There was also times when he got angry. There was also times when he just simply made a very bad confession. I won't make it through this. This will be the end of me. David lost heart on a number of occasions. That's why the Psalms is so real, so great to read. Psalm 27, 13 and 14 is our text. I would have lost heart unless. I might have lost heart unless. Everyone say unless. Thank God there's an unless. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart 
But you know what saved me? Is I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. And that's what kept me on this particular journey. What a great verse. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why? He'll strengthen your heart. We don't need to go through a bunch of definitions about heart and try to explain it. It's not the heart that pumps blood. We're not talking about that heart. We're talking about the core of your being. We're talking about that part of you where your affections are seated. We're talking about that part of you that drives your life and you feel it. We're talking about that part of you that is just below your emotions. It's not just emotions. But it's the attachment to the very core of your life that actually gives you the energy to go and move ahead. The Bible sometimes calls this the reins of the heart. Speaking of that deep thing inside of you that actually reels and reins your heart in. And pushes you ahead in life when even your emotions can't capture it. So David says, I would have lost that. That core thing in me, I would have lost it. But I believed. Everyone say, I believe. Just what do you believe? When you start losing heart, you better know what you believe. Now here's our declaration this morning. A declaration that you should take down about not losing heart. If you're going to keep your heart strong, this declaration comes into play. Hope you take it down. I will resist the lies of the enemy that seek to blind my eyes to the goodness and greatness of God working in my life. My God is for me and is able to strengthen my heart at all times. So I refuse to lose heart. That's one of those keys in Scripture that we won't get to, but there are four people in the Bible at least that I found that just simply refuse to lose heart. They had determined stubbornness to not give in, not give up. They just refused to lose heart. Well, that's a great part of what I'm saying, but it's not the only part. I resist the lies of the enemy that seek to blind my eyes to the goodness and greatness of God working in my life. My God's for me, able to strengthen my heart at all times, so I I refuse to lose heart. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Don't be afraid. Why? Don't lose heart. Why? I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. Another word for discouragement. For I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Not maybe. I will strengthen you. You might not know how it's going to come. You you might think I'm late in coming. You might not see through what's going on around you. But I will strengthen you. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and just say, God will strengthen you. Just tell somebody, God will strengthen you. And I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand, even if you feel like a failure and you don't have victory. I have a victorious right hand for you and I will lift you up. I'll hold you up in the midst. All right, here you go. A couple quick points. You won't lose heart if you believe you will see the goodness 
of God. If you believe in the Scriptures, you believe in the character of God, you believe in the promises of God, you understand the basic theology of the character of God involving goodness, that God actually is going to be good towards you and good with you no matter what people do to you, no matter what life throws your way, no matter how bad it looks, God is a good God and He's going to bring good things into your life. Genesis 15, Abraham had to believe that. In 2 Chronicles 20, the king had to believe that. And when you go through the Bible, there's a number of people that just had to believe they would see the goodness of God. Even though the badness of life was around them. They said, you know, I believe God will bring good out of this. You know, Jacob one day, when everything was breaking down around his life, and he felt he had lost his son, and, and nothing looked good, and Jacob had a broken heart over this, he makes a statement. He said, all these things are against me. Everything is against me. All things are coming down on my head. But you know, it really wasn't exactly that way. His son really wasn't dead. And his youngest son really was going to come back to him. And there was going to be a miracle reversal of circumstance, but he didn't know it. So he said, all these things are against me. He says, I'm a man of a bitter heart and bitter spirit and broken. The Almighty has turned me over to this and all these things are against me. Kind of sounds like a New Testament verse where the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 28 and 29, all things work together for... What's that word? Good. You know, I would have lost heart unless I believed that good would come out of this. Frank, how can you say good will come out of everything? Good doesn't come out of everything. Not with human hands, it doesn't. Not with the power of man, it doesn't. Not if you live only on the natural plane of life. But if you believe in a supernatural God who is able to do supernatural things, He can make all things work together for... Come on, say it out loud. Good. Oh, I lost that job. How can you say that's good? Because there could be something better coming. You know, I got so hurt in that relationship. How can you call that good? I'm not calling the hurt good. I'm calling what will become of that good. What will work into your grace life? What will happen to your character? There will be something good come out of it. You won't lose heart if you will trust and see the goodness of God. All right, number two, second thing. You won't lose heart if you will wait on the Lord. Not panic. Not murmur. Not begin to make bad confessions. Don't blame shift. Don't write it off. If you'll just simply turn your life toward God. Isaiah 30, uh, 40 verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The word wait, let's take it down. To wait is to hold tightly to God. Growing in strength, trust and faith as you wrap your life around Him. To wait has the idea in the Hebrew is like a rope being made. The more you wait, the more you intertwine yourself with the person you're waiting upon. You become emotionally intertwined, spiritually intertwined, until you're so intertwined with the object you're waited upon, it it actually becomes your strength. And that's the word that he uses in Isaiah 40, verse 31. He's talking about those who, like a rope, just wrap themselves around God. Just wait, hold tight. When everything else slips out of your hand, Don't let God slip out. Hold tight to the Lord. Waiting on the Lord speaks of an attitude, a confidence, a discipline. Not indifference. Not passivity. Not giving up. 
not shrugging it off. It's not just saying, whatever. It's not just saying, there's nothing I can do, so I'm not going to do anything about it. It's waiting on God. You can be in a circumstance and give up on God in the circumstance and God's not able to work. You still have to wait on God and say, God, I don't understand this or I don't believe this, that it could happen to me, but it did. So I'm going to wait on you. You have to still press in to the God factor. That's what the psalm says. What happens? You'll renew your strength. The definition there is to exchange. As you know, the word renew is to exchange. There are many of you here that need to exchange your weakness for his strength, your hopelessness for his hope, your anger for his forgiveness, your perspective for his perspective. Some of you need to make an exchange today. What kind of people need to make an exchange? Third, you won't lose heart if you strengthen your heart. Who should strengthen their heart? Here's a few people I'm talking to right now this morning. Who should strengthen their heart? Number one, the discouraged. Those who are disheartened, depressed, lose courage, lose heart. It actually means to be broken in spirit, to be crushed, without the ability to pull yourself up. Early in their marriage, Martin Luther, who was a great reformer, a great writer, one of the most intelligent Men who have ever walked the face of the earth, who wrote many, many, many books in the 1500s, brought the Reformation. You know, the Lutheran church was born out of his beliefs. He was an awesome man of God. But he had a problem. What was his problem? He would get totally depressed. Spurgeon had the same problem. Charles Spurgeon of England had the same problem. He would get so discouraged and so depressed. Spurgeon would go home and get in his bed and pull the covers over his head. Wouldn't get out of bed for days and sometimes weeks. He got so depressed one time, he made the ushers, the deacons of his church, bring all the money from the bank and put under his bed because he thought people were going to steal the church money. He was so discouraged about what people might do. They brought all the money and put it under his bed. Because he was so depressed and sideways in his thinking. This man, the great preacher. Well, Martin Luther was kind of that way. His wife, being a very interesting gal, would watch him go through all these bouts of depression. Even question God and question his salvation and question why he even was alive. Without saying a word, one day she put on a black dress and a veil like a funeral. Only the dress that she wore for funerals and for mourning. She went down and sat at the table where Luther was sitting. He looked up and he says, Why are you doing this? What's wrong with you? Did I miss a funeral? Is there something I don't know? She says, Oh, no. She says, I'm just mourning the death of God. He says, What? She says, well, by the way you live and act, surely God had died. So she says, I'm mourning the death of God for you. Because you live as if there is no God. It delivered him. (laughs) Number two, the faint-hearted. Those who are weak in spirit, downcast. Number three, the oppressed. Those who are pushed down and injured in their spirit. Number four, the distressed, those who are actually tied up and they can't 
free their emotions. Number five, those people that are weary, just tired of fighting, tired of pushing, just fresh out of energy and fresh out of virtue. Number six, the attacked, those who feel it from every angle, from hell attacking you to vertical vertical and horizontal. Both are coming your way, not only as hell, but also people and life. And you're just under attack. Those who are afflicted, those who are afflicted with emotional strain, physical limitations, sickness, things that come on life that can be so discouraged. When you're afflicted, you can get so down You can get so discouraged with your life and your purpose and what you're doing. You can't see right. You start losing heart about doctrine and God. And even when people sing great songs, you can fold your arms and say, well, where's God in this? Or you can just sling off the Scripture and say, I don't even know if I believe in the Bible. Or you can press in, get a hold of God, and let this work something good into you that would strengthen your heart. Ted Ekstrom in his book writes about people that have been afflicted and what it does to them. I thought this was a piece of genius writing. Cripple him. And you have a Sir Walter Scott. Lock him in a prison cell. You have a John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge and you'll produce a George Washington. Raise him in total poverty. You'll end up with an Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with paralysis, you end up with a Roosevelt. Burn him so severely, the doctors say he'll never walk again, and you end up with a Glenn Cunningham in 1934 who set the world's one-mile record. Deafen him, and you have a Beethoven. Have him or her born black in society filled with racial hatred, you have a Booker T. Washington, a George Washington Carver. Call him a slow learner and retarded. Write him off as uneducatable. You have an Albert Einstein. Which one are you? Say, well, you know, I've been pressed this way and knocked this way and this is happening and I'm so pressed down and I've been afflicted here. How wonderful it is that you can have a faith in an awesome God that can take that kind of stuff and turn it in to something good. Can I hear an amen? Amen. The bewildered. Here's another one. The bewildered. Those who have bewildering things happen to them, they can't figure them out because they're in the dark of life. They're in the dark of the situation. They can't figure it out. There's a story of a man who's in a cell. This is the true story. Eight by eight black cell, no light. They stuck him in there as his torture and torment. He died in that cell. But one day he found a marble in the cell. A marble. And that marble became, well, it became his reality and it became his, his way of entertainment, his way to think. He would cast it off the wall and get rhythm. He would throw it up and try to catch it in the dark. He would name it certain things and throw it. He would, I mean, this marble just became everything to him for many, many months. One day... He took the marble and he threw it up. Never came down. Drove him absolutely insane. Matter of fact, he went insane. He went mad. All he could talk about was the lost marble. He finally died in the cell. When they opened the cell and they were dragging his body out 
one of the guards looked up and said, isn't that odd? I said, what's that? Look at the spider web up there. How did that spider get that marble into that web? Boy, that's an odd thing. And they drug his body out. Sometimes what happens in dark, you don't understand until there's light just what happened to the marble. My, my point is, don't lose your marbles. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know in dark what happened to the simplest things of life. Until God brings some light in and say, oh, that's a simple thing to figure out. Sometimes that light doesn't come for a while. All right. God will strengthen your heart. How? He'll strengthen your heart with ongoing strength. He'll make you stronger, more effective, with more power, more grace, and more hope. That's our definition of strength that we combine together. This morning, there are people that need ongoing strength. Maybe you've had some, but you've let up, drawn it from God. Some of you have actually given up. Some of you have actually so shaken up, you're shaking your fist instead of your faith. Some of you have the marble experience, and you just can't, you're bewildered at what's going on. You cannot put it together. God strengthens those with stubborn determination. God strengthens those who understand there's more with us than against us. God strengthens those who believe that God is bigger than their problem. God strengthens those who keep their hope when there's no reason to keep it. God strengthens those who believe there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God. Ah, Lord God. Your outstretched arm. You've made heaven and earth. And there's nothing too hard. God strengthens those who believe. This is the great verse. I'll give it to you. God is on his way to helping you. Isaiah 35, verse 3 and 4. Be strong. Don't be afraid. Behold, your God comes. And he will save you. And that right on time. It's on his way. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not. Read it with me, would you? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 